13, that's page 978 in the Church Bibles, and 1520 in the Large Print Bibles, Matthew chapter 13. Well, there's a question that Jesus is going to ask us tonight, uh, and this is the question, how well do you hear? How well do you hear? Now, some of you may be thinking, well, uh, I don't hear very well, uh, I need a hearing aid. That's one kind of hearing problem uh, that many people have. But others don't hear very well in other ways. Uh, so some people uh, don't hear very well because they might hear the volume very well, but the words that are being said are not really listened to. So for example, we are distracted on our phones, or by the TV, or by a book, or something else, and someone is talking to you while you're doing those things, and you don't really hear. I have agreed to spending money without even realising it, because I haven't really heard. I've been distracted while the words have been spoken. Others uh, don't hear very well, not necessarily because they're distracted, but they have this uh, problem that's uh, called selective hearing. Uh, Here's an example of that. Uh, If someone says, uh, can I help with the dishes, and that can be spoken really loudly, no one hears. But when you secretly try and have a chocolate bar and open the wrapper, even though that wrapper isn't very loud, all of a sudden there are people that say, oh, can I have some? And they can hear that very well indeed. That's selective hearing, isn't it? Well, you can actually measure somebody's hearing uh, using one of these. It is an audio meter. And it measures sounds at different frequencies. Uh, And using an audio meter, you can see how well someone hears. And sometimes I think these can be used in order to see if someone does need a hearing aid or not. But what frequency is the word of God at? Because the frequency that Jesus speaks is not always heard, but whether we hear the frequency cannot be tested using an audio meter. In fact, Jesus would use perhaps a very different instrument to measure hearing. He would use one of these, a stethoscope. Why would he use a stethoscope? Because according to Jesus, how we hear is all about our heart. Now when I say stethoscope, I'm using a a metaphor Because the heart, when we talk about it in the Bible, is not always or even often talking about the organ in our body, but rather our innermost being. Jesus is saying that we need to hear him, not just with our ears, but with our innermost being. And so he begins to speak these parables in Matthew chapter 13, 
as a hearing test. And the first one is the parable of the sower, which is Jesus Christ's hearing tests. Now, chapter 11 and 12 of Matthew uh, that we've been looking at have been different responses to the person of Christ. We've seen him perform miracles and teaching all through the gospel, but when we get to chapter 11, people respond to him in various different ways, from doubting to coldness to outright hostility towards him. And in chapter 13, Jesus uh, gives a number of parables which explain why people respond in all of those different ways. And it's a call to respond in the right way to the message of the kingdom of God. Jesus speaks in chapter 13 many parables. Now it's worth defining what what a parable is. Uh, A a good definition I found, uh, I'll put on the screen. Uh, A parable is an utterance which does not carry its meaning on the surface and which demands thought and perception if the hearer is to benefit from it. So if we don't think about the teaching of Jesus, we don't think about what he's saying, we won't understand it. But whether we think about what Jesus is saying all depends on what we believe about Jesus. If we think that he's a nobody, well, we're not going to even give what he says any thought at all. But if we believe that he is who he says he is, well then we're going to listen. But as we listen, we need to think. And what we believe about Jesus is all about the state of our hearts. It depends on the state of our hearts. And the parables reveal the state of our hearts. They reveal it because as Jesus speaks, those who don't listen... Those who don't think about what he is saying are ones whose hearts are calloused, as we'll see uh, in this passage. So let's look now at Matthew uh, chapter 13. I'm just going to read verses 1 uh, to 23 of that chapter. The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. 
for this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Well, at the end of uh, chapter 12, Jesus is in a house... And chapter 13 begins on the same day as Jesus leaves the house and goes to the lake. And the crowds uh, are following him. Uh, We know uh, he's performed many miracles. Uh, People have heard his teaching. Uh, People want to see and hear what the Lord Jesus Christ is going to say and do next. An exciting time. So he gathers uh, these crowds. And the crowds are so large that he can't speak among them. He steps into a boat so he can get a better view of this crowd and a better ability to be able to speak to all of them. And we might think, what a great opportunity Jesus has. He has a whole crowd of people. He has a great platform in order to speak. What an opportunity to tell people all about himself. And Jesus does teach, but not in a way that the crowd would understand. Look at verse 3. He told them many things in parables. He spoke to them in parables with uh, utterances that needed thought or perception, that needed to be thought through. And he begins with this parable of the sower in verses 4 to 9. The parable is one of Jesus' best known. Uh, Probably you you have the the prodigal son and the good Samaritan, and the sower's probably uh, number three, maybe, on the best known parables of Jesus. Uh, Most of us in this room probably know this parable very well. And in Jesus' day, uh, in in an agricultural culture, uh, this information that he gives would be very well understood by everybody who he is speaking to. And it doesn't even take much for us uh, in a place where we don't see many farms, at least I I don't see too many around here, uh, to understand or imagine uh, what it is like to be the sower uh, sowing the seed. Now farmers in this time would always scatter their seed by hand. They would walk up and down and uh, scatter it by hand and then they would plough it afterwards. And that meant that some of the seed that they were scattering was wasted. And that's in verse 4. It says, As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. 
Now the fields in ancient Israel were, were long, narrow strips of land divided by small paths. And people would use the paths to walk on. And as they were trampled on by man and beast, uh, the, the, the path turned hard as concrete. And the seed which fell on that ground uh, wouldn't go anywhere because the ground was too hard. And so the birds, uh, well, they had a meal because they would fly over, they would see the seed and they would come and eat it up. Then verse 5 uh, tells us that some of the seed fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Well, some of these fields uh, had rock underneath the soil. This wasn't um, uh, rocky ground where you could see all the rocks everywhere and uh, and trip over them and things like that. This was uh, rock underneath the soil, uh, which was um, about two or three inches underneath. And so it was uh, the soil on top, the rock underneath. And if the seed fell on it, it would heat up quickly in the soil. And it would respond very quickly because the heat became, uh, got it quickly and the water came down and got the seed quickly and it would spring up uh, very fast. But because there was nowhere for the roots to go because of the rock underneath, as soon as the, the sun would come out, the, the flowers would be withered away because there was no moisture and nowhere for the roots to go. And so rather quickly this uh, crop would die. And then in verse 7, Jesus says that other seed fell among the thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Well, the soil here is good for growing, but like many of our gardens, I'm sure, uh, it's not just what we want to grow that grows. You get the weeds, uh, the thorns that also come up at the same time. And the thorns overcrowd the crop so that it can't produce the fruit because the light and the moisture is stolen and the... Uh, the, the, the crop is choked by these thorns. And then Jesus ends the parable uh, with the good seed in, in verse 8. And then in verse 9, he says, whoever has ears, let them hear. And in verse 10, we see some people who have ears to hear. And that's the disciples. Parables needed thought and work to understand And the disciples in verse 10 asked Jesus a question. Why do you speak to the people in parables? They could have asked, Jesus, why can't you just be a bit more simpler so that we can all understand what you're talking about? Why is it that you speak in such a way that that people have to think about it? And Jesus answers this question in verses 11 down uh, to verse 17. He explains the purpose of parables. They are a hearing test. And the reason that Jesus speaks in parables is because parables reveal and conceal the message of the kingdom. Parables reveal and conceal the message of the kingdom. And verses 11 to 17 especially make this point clear. Uh, First of all, Jesus begins in verse 11, because, or this is the reason I speak in parables. And the first reason he gives is that the kingdom of, uh, uh, the kingdom truth is revealed to his disciples. Look at verse 11. 
Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Can you see the distinction that Jesus makes here between the disciples who are there asking him and the crowds who by this point are not, don't seem to be around, or at least they're not involved in this conversation? Jesus says it's to his disciples, those that follow him, that are given the secrets of the kingdom. Now a secret is something that's not known by everybody. Uh, a secret that many uh, in this room may have at the moment, if you're organised, is a Christmas presents. They're, they're hidden, aren't they, until the time comes where we can open the presents. That's a, uh, a secret. You're not allowed to say what they are and all those kind of things. Well, Jesus is saying that the, 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 tr- the message of the kingdom is a secret. And it is given to his disciples. Well, what is the, the, the message of the kingdom, or the, the secrets of the kingdom. But in fact, it's very similar uh, to this morning when we looked at the message of the cross. It's the, the truth about who Jesus Christ is, what he has done for us in his death on the cross for our sins, and his resurrection from the dead, and the implications of what that means as we follow him as our king. That's the, the message of the kingdom, who he is, what he has done to save us, what it means to be a follower of him. And those secrets, that message, is not understood by everybody. Just as a way of illustration how that works out to be true, uh, every year, uh, on regular occasions, uh, we give uh, sermons that are specifically aimed for the, the unbeliever, in the sense that they're what we might call an evangelistic sermon. So, for example, on, on Friday nights at 1 and 6, uh, we, we might give a, a gospel message that just as, as clearly as we know how explains the gospel. Or, on Christmas, uh, the carol service, we might give uh, a simple message that pe- so people will understand the gospel. And I've given uh, these, these sermons a number of times... And the amount of times that I've had Christians that have come to me and said, that was so clear, nobody could possibly miss that. And yet, almost everybody who's not a Christian seems to have missed it completely. They haven't been given the, the message of the kingdom in such a way that they understand. What is the, is the problem with, with me? Well, that may be true sometimes. But that's not what Jesus is getting at here. He's not talking here of... Sermons that are bad. Indeed, this is Jesus giving the sermon, right? So it's not not a bad message. Now he's talking about the fact that it's a secret that is revealed to some. Well, how, how do we come to understand? How is it that, that some of us get this message and others don't understand it at all? Do Christians understand because we are just more intelligent than other people? Do we get this because well, our, wi- our brains are wired in a certain way or we have a, a certain personality type? Do we get the message because we're good people? No, none of those reasons. The reason we understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven is, is right there in verse 11. It's been given to you. Given. That's the key word there, isn't it? It's given. It's a, it's a gift. 
It's a gift that God gives to us so that we understand. We, we mustn't ever become arrogant and think that others are stupid because they don't see the truth. It's easy to look at, the, look at people and say, well, how stupid are they that they don't understand? No. We only understand because we've been given this message as a gift. Rather, we need to pray that God would reveal it to them. It is not by merit, it is by grace that we can understand the truth of the kingdom of God. It's a gift that is given. So as we, as we pray for, for, over this Christmas season for people to, to come and hear the message, we need to pray that they would have, uh, the, be given the gift of understanding the truth of the kingdom of God. We don't want to pray that only clever people will come so they'll get what we're saying. No, we want to pray that God will open hearts to the truth. And this grace of revelation in, in verse 12 is given in abundance. Look at what Jesus says. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. If you understand the secrets of the kingdom of God, then it's a gift that keeps on giving. And it's a little bit like a, a foreign language. When I was um, a lot younger, I went to work for a little bit in France. I'd done some French at school. Uh, I did it at A-levels. And um, I was put in, the, in France and Belgium uh, in the middle of a group of people that could speak no English. And so my French got very good. And the more that I practiced with these people that I was with, the better that my language got. And it's a similar kind of principle with what Jesus is saying here. The more that you seek to understand his kingdom, the more you're into the Bible, the more that you'll understand, the more that you will grow. The more that you seek of God's kingdom, the more that you will understand. It's a gift that keeps on giving. And as Jesus speaks in parables, his his disciples as they think them through and apply their meaning, will grow in their understanding of the secrets of the kingdom of God. And if you're blessed to be a Christian, if you have been given the gift of understanding the gospel, then you need to be continuing to study God's word and to grow in your understanding. Scripture sometimes is difficult to understand, that's true. But at those times, we don't just close our Bibles and put them down and think, well, I'm never going to get it anyway. The point is that we think it through. We ask people. We read good books. We pray over it and so on, that that our understanding of God grows. And of course, it's a gift that's going to keep on giving, because how can we ever know everything about God? But notice the sting at the end of verse 12 about what happens if we don't do this. Jesus says, whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. There's a flip side. Those who have not been given the secrets of the kingdom of God as a gift from God, even what little knowledge they do have is going to be taken away from them. Since I left France, I haven't used my French since. And now I can hardly speak it at all. I went back once a few years back and I knew my French was bad because they responded to me in English every time I tried to speak. But if we're not given the understanding of God's kingdom, 
then actually we become worse as time goes on. That's why it's uh, the majority of Christians become believers when they are young. It's so much harder when we are older, not impossible of course, but harder because there are many more years of rejecting even what you do know about the kingdom of God. It's, it's hard. Now, of course it's not impossible, but the, the, fact, the statistics speak for themselves that the vast majority of people become Christians at a young age. And so for the younger people here, don't just let these things go. Respond now to the truth of the kingdom of God. So on the, on the one side, we see that Jesus speaks in parables to reveal the truth to those who he gives the secrets to as a gift. But what about those who do not have? Well, for them, kingdom truth is concealed to the hard-hearted. Why is it that Jesus speaks in such a way that some people will not understand? Well, look at verse 13. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. The crowds see Jesus. They hear what Jesus is saying, but they do not really see or hear. Some in the crowd have seen him on the boat. They have heard the parable of the sower. But to many, that was just a nice story about farming. When we were having our, um, some work done in our house and we were clearing out some stuff, uh, we uh, took a bunch of videos to a charity shop. And one of those videos was a, a, a Beauty and the Beast limited edition video that we found out later on was worth £500. I saw that video. I knew that I had it, but I didn't really know what was in front of me. We just lost the video. We, I mean, hope the charity realised what, what they had, but I didn't know what I had. And the people that saw Jesus, well, they had him right there in front of them, but had no idea, really, who this was that was speaking to them. Why is it that they didn't see or understand? It was all about their hearts. Jesus says that in them is fulfilled this prophecy from Isaiah. The prophecy we read at the very beginning of our service. Isaiah was told to preach to his generation even though they were not going to listen to him. And they wouldn't listen to Isaiah because their hearts were hard towards God. That's what what calloused means. When you see that word, uh, calloused means hard. They didn't really want to know. They'd rejected God. They didn't want God. They said, no God, we don't want you. And so God gave them what they wanted. He judged them by making them unteachable. Now this may sound harsh that God would do this. But we have to remember that actually this is what they wanted. They didn't want to know God. And so in verse 15 it says, For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But that's not what they want. They don't want God. 
And so God hardens their hearts and says, okay, then you don't have to have me. Uh, C.S. Lewis famously said that there are two types of people in this world, those who say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom God says, all right, then have it your way. And that's really what's going on here. And so God said to Isaiah's generation, and he says to ours, and he says here uh, before Jesus' generation, if you don't want to understand who I am and what I want from you, then fine, I will conceal the truth in parables. Otherwise, you might see and turn and be healed. Now some of you may be objecting at this point and saying, well, you've just said Jesus uh, gives understanding as a gift and not by merit, but also you're saying that our responsibility is to listen and have hearts that are not hard. Yes, (laughs) because the Bible teaches that both of those things are true. But as we're hearing the message, what we need to be hearing is the call to seek God and ask him to reveal to us the truth of the kingdom of God. And as we ask God to do that with sincere hearts, he promises in his word that if we seek him, we will find him. Well, these are deep verses, aren't they? But there are just a couple of applications I wanted to I want to give that are not so, I hope, difficult to understand. The first application is found in verses 16 and 17. It says, Blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. There are so many hard hearts in our world, but we are blessed if we see and hear the truth about him, aren't we? I mean, what a, what a blessing it is that we understand. And as we said before, it's not because we're anything special or clever or whatever else. It is by God's grace. What a, how blessed we are. And Jesus goes on to say that in the Old Testament, people did not even have the revelation that we have. The generation following generations following Jesus of which we are a part are the most blessed generation in the history of the world because we have all of this scripture that teaches us and tells us all that we need to know about God and so we should give thanks to God that he's given us understanding he could have kept the truth hidden from you and you would have deserved that but let's be thankful people that God has revealed his truth to us that's the first thing we should be thankful But the second thing is that we need to have hearts that are continually ready to receive the kingdom truth. Hearts that are continually ready to receive. Well, how do we do that? Well, we find that in verses 9 and 10. The disciples came to him, or whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked. Jesus tells his disciples that ears to hear... And the disciples go and ask him. They had the right attitude towards Jesus' words. They wanted to understand. And so should we. And that that impacts um, how we listen to sermons. Uh, We've we've just looked at this in our Sunday school transition class. That the the number one important thing that we learned was that when we come to church to, to listen to a sermon, we've got to come with an expectation that God is going to speak. 
And if we expect that, it changes our whole attitude towards coming to church and hearing the sermon. We're, we're coming to hear God speak through his word. And we want to be straining to hear and understand what God says. And when we don't understand, when we think, well, oh, well, something was said and I don't quite get that, then let's speak to one another. Let's talk about what we're hearing. And a great place to do that, by the way, is home group. If you're not part of a home group, then join a home group, because at home group, we go through the, the, the Sunday sermon and seek to understand it better together as Christians and grow through it. So that's one way where we can apply this. We want to seek out God's, God's word and understand what he is saying. How we hear is all about the heart. And that is the point of the parable of the sower. The discussion in the middle of the passage is linked to the parable of the sower. The disciples asks why Jesus speaks in parables. And Jesus says he speaks uh, in them to test the response of the heart. A seeking heart has truth revealed and a hard heart has it concealed. And the response of our heart is the purpose of the parable of the sower. And in verses 18 to 23, Jesus explains the parable to his disciples. If you just look at verse 19, Jesus gives us the meaning of the seed in the soil. He says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not... Uh, sorry, listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it. So the message of the kingdom is the seed and how we understand it or hear it is the soil. It's our heart, you see? And there are four soils, but really two points. And the first point of the parable of the sower is that there are wrong ways to hear the message of the kingdom. So in verse 19, we see the hard heart. The, the hard heart. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. For hard soil, read hard hearts. These people don't have the word penetrate their heart at all. It could be a lack of interest. It could be hostility, but they, they hear the message. It goes in one ear, goes out the other, doesn't stop anywhere in between. And the evil one, that's the devil, snatches away the seed that doesn't enter into the heart. An example of this kind of soil in, in the Gospels of the Pharisees, they heard what Jesus said, but they were always hostile and never penetrated the heart. Their hearts were already hard and hostile to Jesus. They didn't want to give him a hearing. And we see this today when people just don't care. Uh, they shut the door in our face. They don't want to know. Now most of us who are in church this evening are not likely to be hard soil just by the very fact that you are here. To make that effort to come probably shows that your heart isn't necessarily hard unless you are a child who is forced to come to church. And just a word to uh, children from Christian families who are made to come to church. Our children don't have a, a choice necessarily. It's easy to think that you know all there is to know about the Bible. 
It's easy to, to think, well, I've heard all these stories before. It's easy to come to church and to sit there and not to pay attention and to count all these bricks on the wall or whatever it is. But verse 12, remember what that says. Even what you do have will be taken from you. If you're not paying attention and you just come to church because you have to be here and you're putting up with it and you don't want to listen, well, you might think you know it all now. But Jesus says that if you don't respond rightly, then even what you do know eventually can be taken away. That's a warning, isn't it? Uh, For all of us, but especially if we're here because we have to be. But whoever we are, we need to come to God's word with expectation and with an attitude of, I want to know God. I want to know him more. Well, the next two soils are much more concerning for those who claim to be Christians. Because automatically we probably think, well, I'm here and I I actually want to listen to the sermon. And so therefore I'm good soil. So we think. But actually, let's take these soils as a warning to us. The second soil is the shallow heart. There is initial enthusiasm for the things of God. The the word of God is received with joy. Uh, They want to get baptised. They love to study the Bible. They throw themselves into the activity of the church. These people are great encouragements at first. And then there's verse 21. It begins with but... But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. There is no root there. Their love for Jesus is not deep. And their true faith is shown when the scorching sun comes up. When God puts the heat on, when a bit of trouble comes, when you go back and tell your parents that you're a Christian and they think it's stupid. When you go to work and your work colleagues think it's ridiculous that you go to church. Or when you get sick and you think, well, is this supposed to happen to me? I'm a Christian. Or when it's just hard and all those things that happen, that the sun is shining on us. And because there's no root, we fall away. And the challenge there for us is to deepen our roots in the Christian faith, isn't it? That means regular study of the Bible deepening relationships with one another as Christians to sharpen each other. That's a a better understanding of what the Christian life really is like, that we walk a narrow way, not the broad way. Well, the third soil is the, the secular heart. This heart, again, looks good. The word is, is heard, and it's responded to, but there are problems with this soil, aren't there? There is... Two problems, in fact, that Jesus uh, mentions there in verse 22. The worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. Two thorns that choke the word, making it unfruitful. So you have the, the worries of this life. That doesn't necessarily mean troubles, but just preoccupation. I'm just so busy with life that I haven't really got time for God I have my career, my family, my Xbox, my sports, my mortgage payments, all good things. Well, maybe not the mortgage payment, but it's a thing we have to be preoccupied with from time to time. But they become so all-encompassing that our whole existence is with all these busy things, and there is no room left for God. 
And then there's the deceitfulness of wealth, the, the love of material things. We are deceived into thinking that these things will make us happy and safe. And we forget that satisfaction and security can only come from God. And so we go after more and more stuff and we, we build our, our, our collections and uh, we have all these wonderful things and we're just totally distracted by them. And we get into this cycle of purchasing the latest of everything because it will make us happy and it never does and we're deceived. And over time, the things of God are just choked. Now the seed here isn't instantly destroyed. You know, you don't, you don't buy an iPhone and your seed goes away. No, it's, it, it, it's slowly, slowly over time, these thorns grow. And before you even realise, your faith in Jesus has been choked and you've fallen away. That's the, the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. It's not a one-off thing. It's a slowly, slowly choking and we need to be aware of this, don't we? Especially in our very wealthy culture, it's a huge problem to be too busy to serve Jesus or too focused on just building up our comforts and our amusements. We don't even realise we're being choked. Now we all, all of us, have thorns that need pulling up. Perhaps thorns that we need to forsake for a time for the sake of God's kingdom. But the question maybe to ask on this, is Jesus Christ your consuming passion or is it something else? If it's something else, that something else will choke your faith. How easy we can just assume we are good soil. But any one of us here can be shallow or secular if we're not careful. Because it's only at the harvest time when the crop is brought in that we truly see what soil we are. But that doesn't mean that we have to go around each day worrying, well, am I good soil or not? Rather, each day we need to wake up and spend our lives focusing on Christ. Wake up each day and say, my allegiance is to Jesus. I want to passionately pursue him above all other things. And if we're doing that... Well, we know that there is a right way to hear the message of the kingdom. Look at verse 23. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Well, we've had the hard heart, the shallow heart, the secular heart, and here is the fruitful heart. The fruitful heart is the one that hears well. It hears immediately, unlike the hard heart. It hears deeply, unlike the shallow heart. And it hears exclusively, unlike the secular heart. All of the soils hear the word, but the difference between the four is that only one bears fruit. And fruit comes from hearing the word and, Jesus says in verse 23, understanding it. Hearing and understanding in such a way that you do what it says. We know that we have heard right. And we understand right when we do right. And the fruit that Jesus is talking about is obedient to the word that's sown. And the good soil produces a harvest that is plentiful. All of these yields 
our good yields. They're all good. Um, it would be a, a good harvest if you got any one of these yields. And the harvest yields here are varied, and it signifies how we all produce different amounts of fruit. But rather than worrying, well, what, what's my yield? Am I, am I one of the, the hundred, or am I one of the sixty, or whatever? Rather, let's just apply the, the passage as a whole. The more we listen to and apply what Jesus says, the more fruit we're going to produce. That's the main point. Verse 12 tells us, when you have more understanding, more will be given. So keep seeking, keep understanding, you'll produce more fruit. When Jesus is listening to your heart, when he's giving you that hearing test, how well do you hear? One of the points of the parable is that the one who hears is the one that endures. When at the end of time we stand before God and we have fruit to show because we've heard and we've understood the word of God. Samuel in the Old Testament was one that was listening. He said, speak Lord, for your servant is listening. And may that be our response when we come to hear the word of God. May we say to God, speak Lord. For your servant is listening. I want to hear. I want to understand. I want to know you more. I want to get to grips with the secrets of the kingdom. And we can thank God that he is glad to give us those secrets. Well, why don't we stand and sing as we respond to these words. Our final song reminds us that it is by God's grace that we can hear the word. By God's grace we understand it. And by God's grace we do what it says. So let us respond to this parable by singing grace unmeasured.